Test, test. Oop. I got too busy talking. I had too much fun talking to you guys. So sorry I'm a little bit, a little bit late. But uh, great morning to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you so much for coming out. Oh, amen. Somebody's awake this morning. Thank you, Charlie. So, hey, uh, John Pennington, stand up. He reminds me that we have men's at Bible study every Saturday morning at 730 still with food. So, so come for the word of God, the bread of life, and come for sausages and eggs and biscuits and gravy. And good Bible study, John says. So, so come out for that. Stacy Brewer, I don't know if he's in the back or, but he's part of the uh, parking team. He leads the parking team. If you would be interested in joining the parking team, security team, see him after church. If you're already on the team, uh, go ahead and see him too. Just I think he wants to just kind of go over some things, just kind of make sure uh, we get people plugged in. So if you're want to be a part of the parking team, stay, see Stacy Brewer at the end of church, all the way at the back where the tables are. So, catch my breath. Put this down. All right, so you see some envelopes over here on the side, right? One to a hundred. So this is our opportunity for us as a church to help uh, to get our teenagers to summer camp. And we want everybody involved, right? So some people, you know, they come out to the yard sale. Some people come out to the car wash. And so if you want to be involved, you can be involved by just getting a dollar envelope. So every, every number on the envelope is how much money you have put in that envelope to help a teenager get to summer camp. And this is an opportunity for everyone in the room to be involved. So you say, well, I, I got $5. Grab the five, number five envelope, put $5 in it, and that goes to the youth camp. If you say, well, I got $100, well, I got your envelope right here. I'll bring it to you, hand it to you. If you want to take a magic marker, put another zero behind that and make it $1,000, then we could do that. I don't know if anybody have, been, have, have ever heard Dr. Falwell uh, Dr. Fall was, he was gifted at how to get people to, to support ministry, and I remember him all the time saying, yeah, let's put in two zeros on the back of that, and I'll deliver the envelope to your house. Uh, but yeah, so uh, seriously, this is any way you want to support the youth, you can grab one envelope, you can grab two envelopes, you can grab three envelopes if you want, but grab an envelope, and seriously, I truly believe God looks at the widow who gave her two mites as a special gift, because Jesus Christ, he talked to the disciples and said, you know, so many people give out of abundance, but she gave out of all that she had, and he cherished her gift as much as he cherished the larger gifts. So if all you have is a dollar, and you give that to help a teenager get to camp, and that teenager hears the gospel and their life has changed for eternity, that dollar is precious in God's sight. So don't think that you have to get the $100 envelope. You can get one of the smaller envelopes. Everything that is given, God is investing that into our teenagers so that they can hear the gospel, that they can grow in their faith and become disciples of Christ. So we'd love you to plug into that. We also have PayPal. So if you say, well, I don't have cash, I don't have check, uh, we do PayPal. So come see me or Angie. Angie's over at the table. See us after church, and we can help you do electronics. Some people have already given, like, a PayPal gift towards uh, the youth camp. So however you want to do it, we can help you get plugged in. Talking about youth, I'm going to get Jeremy to come up. He's got more announcements about our youth. Awesome. So just one quick thing, kind of jump off this, and I'll come back to the fundraising stuff. But tonight, 
for any teenagers that are here, we're doing a pool party tonight at the Trials Residence. So youth is a little different tonight. They'll run from 5 to 8.30. So if you have a teen here, you don't know where the Trials live, come find me afterwards. I'll get you the address. So we're going to have, Todd Trials is going to make some really good food. We're going to have, they got basketball, soccer, pool, yard games. I'll do a little Devo. So it's going to be a nice, just fun, kind of kick off the summer event. Um, so that's tonight. Next week, because I won't even be here, uh, we'll be at, my family and I are going to the beach. Next week, youth, we won't have youth. It's Father's Day, so spend time with your father, celebrate them. Um, but that's just kind of the next two weeks here. But again, with the fundraising stuff, Tim talked about all that. Again, camp isn't the cheapest thing that we take kids to. There's plenty of cheaper camps we can go to, but I really think the Lord has moved and worked through Snowbird um, down in Andrews, North Carolina. They preach the gospel um, they don't hide from it at all. Pastor Brody there, he is really intentional about getting to know the kids, preaching the gospel, just making sure it's the most gospel-filled center thing that they ever do. And then just on top of that, they get to go whitewater raft, and they get to do activities and things that they otherwise wouldn't do at a lot of places. So zip lining, rock climbing wall, aerial parks, all sorts of stuff. So I think it's just a unique opportunity that the kids get to do. So something else we want to kind of offer you guys as well. So maybe this isn't a way you, you want to give. That's, that's, uh, I understand. Some people, that is the best way you, you know to give. Other ways, if you have projects at home, we would love to do fundraiser projects at your house. So maybe it's picking weeds in your gardens. Maybe it's you need help mowing the lawn. You need help cleaning around the house, whatever it is. Come, come find me. We'll be glad to get some teens to come help you guys in those areas as well. I had three teenagers at my house last night picking weeds and digging a ditch in my backyard so I could run an irrigation line off of my house gutters so it starts washing my yard away. So there's things that they can do to help. So if that's another way you, you would love to get to know the kids, please come, get to, uh, come find me, and we'll be glad to get them to your house to help you out. But like Tim said, this is an easy way a servant's way to be able to give, come find an envelope that maybe you feel comfortable, you can give that amount. That'd be an amazing way you guys can help serve and give. So again, thank you guys for all you guys have done, all the items you donated for the yard sale last week, all other ways that you guys have helped donate to the teens. We've done a great job raising as much money as we can, but we still are a little short of what we would like to try to achieve for that. So again, if you have questions, come find myself, Tim, Angie. We'll be glad to answer any questions you guys might have. So with that being said, I'm going to pray for us. Oh, never mind. Tim's coming up. I'm praying. You're going to pray. But my wife is so, she wants me to remind you that the envelopes are over here on the end. So just to clarify, the envelopes, one through 100, are over here. Susanna White, show them the envelopes so you know which ones to take. They always pick the most beautiful woman in the room to be Vanna White. So there she is. Uh, thank you, thank you. She also wants me to remind you, so say you don't have the money today, that's okay. You can, you can take the envelope with you, take it home, and fill it and bring it back next week. So you can bring it back next week if you want to. You know, or you can go however you want to do that. But uh, the envelope's there, take it home, bring it back next week, that's totally fine. So we got another month before we go. So got time for that. Thank you. So let me pray for us to get us into service and the worship team will lead us in worship. Thank you, guys. Dear Lord, just uh, thank you for always providing, always giving in ways that we sometimes may 
not think about, um, sometimes in ways that we don't expect, Lord, you always provide. And, and sometimes we have to kind of go with the flow of how, how that's coming, Lord, and that can be hard for us sometimes, Lord. But just thank you for who you are. Thank you for, again, providing a place that we could gather while everything's getting worked on at the church property, Lord. You've given us a place that we could come and celebrate your name and worship your name and make your name known, Lord. So just thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the staff team that we have. Thank you for the volunteers that we have that help make a Sunday morning go, Lord. Just thank you for all the willingness and the long hours and the and just everything that goes into getting church ready, Lord. Just thank you for those servants' hearts, Lord. I just pray that you were just leading through Tony and the worship team today, that you can that the Holy Spirit will just fill this place and will just impact each one of us, Lord, in, in a different way. Lord, I pray that you give Pastor Brad the words to speak as he is starting this new summer series, Lord. And, and as we're maybe going to be going into things that we all just kind of battle each and every day, Lord, anxiety, depression, you know, anger, whatever those things are, Lord, that you can have the Holy Spirit work through us and, and just renew us, right, Lord? Just renew us from the inside out. Allow our hearts to cry out to you. Allow our minds to think about you each and every day, Lord. So just thank you for who you are and how great you are. In your name we pray. Amen. So good to see you this morning. Let's all stand together as we worship. Would you? Shout out your praise, there's no in the house. 
and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, let's all in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, let's all in the house of the Lord. Let's all in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, let's all in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. 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 Praise Him this morning. Amen. This next song we want to sing together is a new one that we learned last week called Same God. And it's just a beautiful message that the same God that we worship today is the same God that worked in, in days of old. So we're calling on the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God who was and who is to come. The God that we've been singing about this morning. So let's worship Him as we sing this song.
Jesus, amen. Lord, we sing praise to you today, Father. God, we thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. God, and we lift our hearts to you today. God, in praise. You are the one true God, the only God, the God who was, the God who is, and the God who is to come. And God, we thank you that we can worship you every day and that we have the freedom to worship you here this morning. Lord, we pray that as your word is spoken today, God, that we will listen to it and that we will apply it to our lives, God, that we can be closer to you and worship you every day. Well, we love you and thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. for a breakthrough in Jesus. Welcome this morning to Impact Church. How's everybody doing? Good? Enjoying summer so far, I hope. I know a lot of people are on vacation and such, so wish them safe travels and a great time. And uh, welcome here to church this morning. We say every single week, if you are visiting with us, which we know some of you may be, uh, we are so glad you're here worshiping with us. We hope that if you're searching for a church home, a place to, to get plugged in, a place to, to really just call home, we hope the Lord would lead you right here. So if you're shopping and stopping at churches, we hope this is your last shop, your last stop right here, okay? Uh, welcome to, with us this morning. If you're looking for a church that preaches the Word of God and uh, doesn't apologize for it and doesn't water it down, you're in the right place. So uh, welcome here with us. God's doing an amazing work. So I also want to uh, tell you, as Tim did at the beginning, I know some of you kind of filtered in afterwards, but uh, Impact Church will no longer have a live service go out on Facebook. Okay, so starting today, we're going to start uh, taping, and then the service will show up next week. There's many reasons for that um, um, that I won't go into, but I just want to let you know of that. So if you're on vacation or you missed, um, probably what we'll try to do is see if we can at least get it out on YouTube after the service maybe for you, where you can watch it. Um, but for the most part, when you click in now starting next week, and it'll go live at 10 o'clock next week, but you'll actually be watching this week's service, if that makes sense. So no longer a, a actual live broadcast, all right? So uh, also we have a praise. Um, many of you may have known there was a little girl that went missing uh, yesterday in our area. Um, we're really close to home because it's our county. It's ex uh, extremely close to home for us because it's a little girl whose grandparents had brought her here for about a year, year and a half to our church. Um, and she also happens to be our neighbor um, as well, Stacy and I. So uh, luckily, uh, praise God, they found her um, before any harm was done. Um, so hopefully she's coming back home today. So a big praise there. Um, but let's get started here. We started a new summer sermon series last week entitled Barrier Breakers, Overcoming Life's Toughest Obstacles. And last week we looked at how change is possible because to start this thing out, we have to know that a lot of things we're talking about are things that we would like to improve on in our life. Or these are going to be things that, that all of us struggle with probably at some point, either in past, present, or future. And so we need the, the, the tools to change. But before we have the tools, we need to know and understand that change is possible in Christ. Do you believe that? 
Do you know that and believe that? And we talked about last week that some of the struggles we're going to talk about, we may actually struggle or wrestle with for the rest of our life to some extent. But that doesn't mean we still can't have victory in the midst of the storm and in the trials and the adversity that it brings. There is guaranteed victory in Jesus. So we had that message last week. If you missed it, go back and check that out. Because I think it would be great for you to know and understand this concept. Because we're actually going to build on it today as we're going to talk about roadblocks to a new life. So last week we looked at a new life is possible, change is possible, and we saw how. Now what are some obstacles we're going to face? What are the major roadblocks, if you will, that are in the way of this change that's possible in Christ? Because how many of you know, anytime that God wants to set us on a path, that the enemy has some plans to trip us up. Anybody ever been there? And then if the enemy doesn't do it, we're going to trip ourselves up. Because <laughs> we're going to see that today, that a lot of these issues, I mean, you can't just say the devil made me do it. That ain't going to work. Eve tried that. It didn't work. You know what I'm saying? All right? So it's not the devil making you do stuff. It's you. It's your own sinful depravity, my own sinful depravity, my wrestle with my flesh, your wrestle with your flesh that leads us down these paths. And we're going to look at that and talk about that here today. But before we get started, I want to give you a real quick land update, real quick. All right? We got some big time praise because just on Friday, footers started being poured on that building. My goodness, it's been a long time coming, baby. I mean, it's like wrestling not just a bear, it's like tag team bears. You know what I'm saying? You, you wrestle one bear off, you think you're done, and next one jumps on your back. You be like, you know, and you can't get rid of them. I feel like that's what we've been through because yet again, VDOT in the county, I'm not bashing nobody, but um, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> they did hold us up another month on getting the footers poured. They've been dug out there for almost a month, and we just could start pouring the other day. So praise God. He moved some obstacles out of the way, like we're going to talk about today. He pushed some things aside. We were able to start pouring because it actually could have been about another month before they let us pour. I just want you to tell you that. God did a work to let us pour Friday, okay? So they're starting to get poured. That means pretty soon a stem wall goes up. The building gets erected. So hopefully here, at least by July sometime, you're going to see a shell of a building go up. Uh, so that's coming. Amen. So I want to uh, tell you something about the footer, something special. And the reason I mentioned that and put it in the service is because the Lord had led me for some time to when we do that, when we start putting up that foundation that we know our church, we know even the church, all right, that Christ started was based on the word of God, right? And he being the what? Cornerstone, right? So when you think about the cornerstones of a building, we have four corners out there of a foundation footer. So what we did and what the Lord's leading me to do is go out and put a copy of the Word of God under the four corner footers on that building. So you can see pictures we'll put up there. So um, our, our building, our church, Christ's church, ultimately is built on the Word of God. So uh, the Bible is under the cornerstone footers out there. Of course, that's from Isaiah uh, 28, 16, uh, where it talks about... Um, uh, Christ coming, the prophetic uh, Christ will be coming through Zion to be the cornerstone. It's uh, repeated in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, where Paul said that, it, of course, the, the church built on the uh, apostles and the prophets, but of course, first of all, on Christ, because he is the cornerstone. He is the one on which all the other blocks are set. So we have that out there on our land. And you probably can't tell there, but there's 10 scriptures that are flagged in every Bible. 
that are under those footers. And my wife said, why did you go through all the trouble of flagging 10 verses in every Bible that's going under in the dirt and concrete? Nobody's ever going to know. I'm like, but God knows. All right. So I want to share with you the 10 verses real quick that are flagged because they're meaningful. First of all, Psalms 127 verse 1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So we praying that the Lord is the one who builds, the Lord is the one who gets the glory, the Lord is the one who does it all. Because we know and we've seen, because we've lived it out, this church is not about a building. This church will never be about a building. This church will be about the mission, will be about making disciples that go out and reach people outside the four walls of that building. Okay, So we want Christ to be the center of all of that. Another scripture that's in there, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Verses 18 through 20, we know that um, our, our church, of course, and every church should be modeled on the Great Commission. What's our job? Go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then do what? Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. That's the part that's left out in many churches, and that's where we stand on. Our mission is to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's word to make an impact in the community and our world. That's our mission, and that's who we are. That's what God has set us out to be. That verse is flagged in there as well. And then, of course, knowing what God has led us to on that land, there's 45 acres over there that we're praying hopefully are used as a tool to get outside the building like we talk about, to meet people where they're at and reach them for Jesus. Because there's people that are never walking in churches around here, even with fancy buildings and fancy music and even ear fluff teaching. They're still not coming to church. How do we reach them? We reach them by meeting them where they're at outside those walls. So we're praying that the Lord will develop a sports uh, complex community out there where we can share Jesus with people as they come on that land. But we know as a church our size, we can't fund that, <laughs> right? That that's a miracle in itself to do that. So Matthew 19, 26, it says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And that verse is flagged inside of that because he gets all the glory. Then uh, Joshua 16, the whole chapter is flagged. I won't read all that, but there's a word in there, a Hebrew word named paga. And that means intercession. And if you go through uh, Joshua 16, when it, all the territories were being staked out, there was a perimeter that was being used. And that word paga, that intercession was used. So we pray that this land, this 45 acres, is a land of intercession for the Lord, that he would allow us to intervene on behalf of a community and a people that are lost, that they can find Jesus. All right? Then Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus' own words, if anyone would come after me, must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For if a man wants to save his own life, he will lose it, but if he loses his life for my sake, he will find it. For what does it profit a man if he gain the entire world and yet forfeit his soul? Doesn't get any more straight than that. That verse is flagged. And then Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 29 through 31, the Lord uh, speaking through the prophet saying, my people have gone astray, the Israelites have gone into sin, and, and even their leaders are, are, are doing wrong. Sound familiar? All right? And, and things have gone chaos, and the Lord said, I was looking for somebody to stand in the gap, but I found no one to stand on behalf of the people. We're praying that we can stand in the gap, that we could be the one that brings the word of God in a gap where it's so desperately needed. That piggybacks on Ezekiel 3, which we've um, said to read a lot of times where um, the prophet was told by the Lord to go and eat this word, consume my word, and then go share it with my people who are going astray. And then the Lord told him this. He said, get this. These people are not going to want to listen to a thing you have to say. <laughs> they're going to deny you. They're going to they're be like, eh, they're going to run away from you. But I need you to share it anyway. Because if you do, 
and somebody's saved, obviously, that's beautiful, all right? But if you share it and they don't listen, then the blood's on their hands, of course, for not listening. But if you don't share it and they still don't listen, of course, because they haven't heard, they will die in their sin. Their blood will be on them, but their blood will also be on your hands. That's to the preachers out there. The blood's on the hands. So we, and, and that's the why of why we share God's word so passionately and unapologetically. And of course, that piggybacks on 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, where Paul told Timothy, preach the word, do what you're doing, all right? Because there's coming a time where people will not tolerate sound doctrine, and they will leave you, they will run to the teachers that tickle their ears, all right? But you do the work of, a, of an evangelist, preach the word, and fulfill your ministry. That's flagged in there because we know that's the heart that God's given us. The ninth one is Ephesians um, chapter 4 through 6, which, of course, is everything we're talking about here. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And the focus there is, is sanctification, making disciples, because that's what we're about. All right. And the tenth and final one is Joshua 1.9. And we know what that says, where the Lord told Joshua, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We need him to give us courage, to give us strength for the mission that he set us on. So, more than just a foundation over there, a spiritual meaning that's under every single one of those corners out there. So I want you to know that and pray over that as you go on the land and as we eventually get in that building. All right, so I thought that was uh, worth sharing today. All right, so let's get started right here. Roadblocks to a new life. We know that roadblocks, if you're ever on a trip... Are really frustrating, right? right? I mean, let's be honest. Whatever that roadblock is, whether it's a construction roadblock, whether it's an accident, and let's say you run into one where the, where the traffic is just totally backed up, like it's just stopped both lanes, nothing. I mean, that's, that's frustrating because a roadblock we know can slow you down. It can hinder your progress to where you're trying to go. And catch this, this is what we know. If that roadblock is not removed, you're never going to get to your destination, not going to do it unless you got a big old monster truck and you're going to roll all over. That's not going to happen. But in life, more specifically, if the blocks that prevent us from moving forward are not removed, you and I will not make progress. We won't do it. We'll never experience this new changed life that, that Christ wants to set us on that we learned about last week. We know in life there's going to be plenty of obstacles, plenty of barriers, plenty of roadblocks in our life. But we have good news through our Lord and through his word that Christ is in the business of breaking barriers. He's in the process of removing barriers, but get this, he's even better than a GPS. Anybody ever um, use your GPS to, when you go on trips and stuff and you don't know where you're going or even if you know you kind of have to know, you kind of have to remember, you still plug it in. And then you have this thing over on the, on the bottom, it says ETA, that's estimated time of arrival, all right? How many of you changed that like me to uh, TTB, that's time to beat, okay? All right, that's, uh, and it, you get very frustrating when you hit those obstacles because you're like, man, I just lost my time, I made up. There's officers in here. I don't speed, by the way, I'm just talking to them. But, but seriously, I mean, you, you hit these obstacles and, and, they're, and they're frustrating. But here's what's beautiful. Your GPS, of course, shows them as they occur. It'll show you, hey, there's traffic that's just stopped up ahead because of an accident or whatever, right? You see the little yellow line, the red lines, you know how bad it stopped. Get this. Jesus is better than a GPS. You want to know why? Because he doesn't just show you the obstacles when they show up. He tells you where the obstacles are before they show up. Boy, that's good right there, isn't it? 
so that he can show you the route you need to take to miss every single thing that will block you and hold you back. But will we listen? Boy, that's, that's, that's what's tough. Because I don't know about you, I, I, I'm hard-headed. And the Lord knows that. Are you hard-headed too? Don't look at your husband. All right? But I'm hard-headed. And he knows we're hard-headed sometimes. And so even when we, there's times when we don't listen and obstacles still get in our way, praise God, he is faithful. And even when we're not faithful, he still is. And he is going to make a way through and over every obstacle that gets in our path. We're going to learn about that today. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you for who you are. Lord, what you are doing. And Lord, you get all the glory. Thank you, Lord, for laying down your life, breaking your body, shedding your blood, that we could have life. And, Lord, you finished that work on the cross. And, Lord, it's not by works that we're saved. It's through faith in you, Lord, and we praise you for that. So, Lord, I pray that you would lead us today what it looks like through your word to walk by faith. Lord, to miss the obstacles, the, the roadblocks that will hold us back, that will hinder us from the destination that you have for us in this life Lord, and, more, and, and, and even more um, directly for the eternal life to come, Lord, that we won't miss you. Lord, that we won't be deceived, that we wouldn't be led astray, that we wouldn't be leaning on our own understanding, and we would miss you. Lord, there's so many people that do that, that, that have intellectual knowledge of you, but they haven't given their heart or their life to you. Lord, there's a lot of people that know about you, but Lord, do they really know you? Lord, that's what we want to get at somewhat today. And Lord, for those of us that do know you, to be reminded that there's some truth that we need to live in, to miss out on some roadblocks, even in our own walk, in our own life, even as we see Paul talk to a church today, to call people away from roadblocks that are hindering them and keeping them from where God has them destined to be. Lord, we pray that you would hear your word today, but we would be more than hearers, we would be doers. And Lord, you get all the glory for that as you move through your spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If you have a copy of God's word, we're going to partially be where we were a little bit last week, and that's in Ephesians chapter 4. We started in Romans chapter 12 last week, and then uh, it led us into chapter 4. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. And our first passage is where we're going to find five roadblocks that are listed today, five common roadblocks that Paul is talking again to a church of people who have he wants to, them to check themselves, basically, and see if any of these roadblocks are hindering them. All right? And that's in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. Let's go ahead and read the word of God today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, which is immorality, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. All right, so let's look at that. So here again in this passage, we have Paul instructing believers in the church of Ephesus on how they are to conduct themselves as a follower of Jesus Christ, if they really are. I want you to see that and catch that, all right? Because if you read most of Paul's epistles, that's what he's coming back to do. 
is call people that have been deviated and pulled away from the truth, and he's calling them back to repentance. All right? And so here he is directly again, even inside of this, after chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians, like we talked about, that Paul comes right off the bat and shares who Christ is, what Christ has done, and who we are in Christ. Now, because of that, because we have this new engine to run us in Christ, now walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Okay? So this is not completed apart from chapters 1, 2, and 3. Let's get that straight. This isn't just an isolated chapter that we cherry pick out and say, oh, see, we got to do better. We got to walk more. We got to work harder. We got to do more. No, 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 no. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 give you the context. It's because of Christ, because of what he's done, because of who you are in Christ, now you have the power to do chapters 4, 5, and 6. Okay? That's important to grasp. So this passage, Paul is calling that out on how now they should conduct themselves. Okay? Because here's a group of people that were in church calling themselves Christ followers, but they were living like enemies of God. I want you to think about that. Does that sound familiar in our society? Maybe at times in your life, does that sound familiar in, in your life like I know it did in mine? That there was a time where I claimed Christ and I lived like the world. Man, and, 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 and I was defaming Christ. And I was living a lie, maybe to myself. And, and maybe you are today, or maybe you know somebody that is. And, and here's where we need to be. In an act of humility that lets the word of God fall on our heart and mind, and we just say, yes to Jesus. You're right, I'm wrong. Can we do that? Because if we don't have that type of humility, we're going to see where it leads. And Paul's going to point this out in this passage as we dig it out. All right? So he begins by calling them to a walk, not like the Gentiles, not like those that are lost or outside of Christ. Okay? All right? That's important. So basically what Paul's saying is examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. If you recall, that's what he told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 15, do you remember that? In verse 5, that he told them that, to examine yourselves and see if you're in the faith. Why would he say that? You wouldn't, he wouldn't just say, oh, go back and look in your Bible and see if there's a date that you prayed a prayer when you're six. Okay, you're good. Bye-bye. No, he said, examine yourself right now and see if you're in the faith. Is how you're living, how you're acting, how you're talking, how you're walking, matching what you say you know and believe. Is it matching chapters 1 through 3 of who Christ is, what he did for you, and who you are in Christ? Because if it's not, then we need to repent. That's what Paul's saying. He doesn't say it's over, you're a bad person, and condemnation. No, the condemnation message always comes from the enemy that says you're no good, you're a failure, you're washed up, God can never use you. Don't get that message. The healthy message of Jesus, of a loving heavenly father, is conviction to put you on a right path and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Guide me, direct me, heal me. That's the heart we need right now. Don't bow up and harden your heart. Mm -mm, I don't like this church already. I'm going to another church where I can feel good every time I wake. No, 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 no. Please don't. Please listen to the word of God. And let it sink and let it dive deep because that's what God's word is useful to do, to teach, rebuke, correct, and train in all righteousness. But nobody loves the correcting and rebuking part. They run away as soon as it's heard. That's what we need to let God do. That's what Paul's coming in here to do. That's what he did in Corinth. That's what he's doing in Ephesus. I'm going to tell you right now, if Paul preached today, he wouldn't have a mega church, would he? I'm telling you, man. Can you imagine if, if, if some church, let's say in Houston, um, God walked out and be like, hey, from now on, this dude named Paul is coming up here to preach every week. 
What do you think Paul's going to say? Ain't the same message they've been hearing, brother. Read the Bible. I don't think we need an auditorium no more. Maybe we can meet in a tent. (laughs) Paul's just coming to bring the word of God, pure, unedited, so that the Holy Spirit can move in people's hearts and lives and make them and mold them into the image of Jesus as they get their heart right before him and repent and turn more to him. That's it. What Paul's trying to do, not to bash them, not to slam them, not to say how wrong they are, but to call them back into the rightness of walking. It's a beautiful picture of God's word. So now that we know what's going on, we have to get that foremost. Number one, the first thing he comes out and says here in this passage, so our first roadblock that we can encounter to a new life is futility of mind, futile thinking. So if you're taking notes, you can put a slash or a dash and put relative truth. You could put another slash or a dash and put prideful thinking. Because at the heart of futile thinking, and we're going to see in this word here that's used in the Greek, is pride. And prideful thinking means relative truth. It means relative truth. We know what the difference is. We had a whole message on this a couple years ago. We went through a 16-week series called Counterculture where we touched on every issue that the church is quiet about today. And we went 45 minutes to an hour preaching on every single topic. You can go back and check that out. All right? But we started that series off on relative truth versus um, uh, absolute truth. Because you have to know what the difference is. Absolute truth means there's only one truth. And we know that that one truth is the word of God. And if you don't believe that, then get this. You're never going to change. You're not. Because if you don't believe that this is the absolute truth, this doesn't mean anything to you on certain topics that God wants to change in your life. Okay? That means you live by relative truth either on all topics or even some topics. You might say, I believe all that, you know, Jesus is the way, and, he, and he's grace and mercy, and it's only by him through we're saved. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm with all that, Pastor, but, it was, man, some of that stuff in there, man, that stuff on the way I need to live and my lifestyle, and, you know, nah, man, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but, but I heard Pastor so-and-so over here say, or, or I heard Dr. So-and-so in, in my college say, and, and so, therefore, I, I think I, I'm okay. What did you just do? Relative truth. I don't believe what this said because I heard somebody else say. And I believe what somebody else said because it it sounds more and tickles my ears more than what this says. What did you just do? It's relative truth. It's pride. It's futile thinking. Okay? That's what that is. So Paul's coming out here and said the very first roadblock, if we don't overcome this, if you don't overcome this, first of all, you'll never come authentically to Jesus. You will never be saved. Because you have to believe in the absolute truth of Christ and him crucified in the gospel and his word is truth. We always say time and time again, you cannot separate Jesus from his word. There's a lot of people trying to do that today. Oh, I love Jesus. I'm saved, but I don't, I don't follow a lot of what this says. Hogwash. Examine yourselves and see if you're of the faith is what Paul's trying to say. Okay? All right? You can't separate Jesus from his word. It's all or nothing. This isn't cafeteria-style Christianity here. I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and no, 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 man, I don't want that stuff. Not how we do it. It's all or nothing, baby. You may not understand it all. You may not know it all. That's okay. You just come with a heart of yes. As I learn, I'm going to say yes. As you show me, as you convict me, Lord, I'm going to say yes. We don't have to get it all right first to come to him. We just come to him with a heart of yes to Jesus and what is taught. Okay? All right? So futile thinking, this prideful, this relative truth thinking will roadblock us. All right? This Greek word here for futility 
is taken from the, uh, a Hebrew word, all right? And this Greek word is matios, and it literally means vain. So this word can mean futile, which it's translated here probably in your Bible, which is useless or pointless thinking. But the main t- context of the Hebrew word that is derived from is vain, is pride, prideful thinking. Prideful thinking, relative truth, meaning I believe my truth. Hey, who are you to tell me what truth is? My truth is my truth. Your truth can be your truth. You're just walking a different level of Christianity, Brad, than I am. You ever heard that? You're just walking it out a little more than what I am. And if your heart is never to change that, then examine yourself if you're under faith. There may be some correctness in that if you've just come to Christ and you're still learning and you're still growing. And you're, yeah, 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 I get it. But is your heart to come out of that or is your heart to make excuses for it and stay in it? That's the difference. It's the heart. You always go back to the heart, all right? So this word vain, all right, this futile thinking contains pride. And that's the heart of relative truth. So we see that we live in a world that thinks like this now, don't we? It's a world that basically says and concludes that I will decide what is true or what is not. I'll decide for myself if Christ really says that or not and whether I believe it or not. I'll decide what's right or what's wrong rather than submit to God and what he says what's right or what's wrong. That's scary stuff. That's where we live. In other words, in a sense, if you're a Christian, if you're a true Christ follower, if you believe this is absolute truth and you stand on this, you've lost home field advantage. You're not popular anymore. From the time you walk out of the locker room of life onto the field of life, you are booed from your first step till your last if you believe this anymore. You will be. That's why you're seeing so many people buckle and bow down away from this. That's why you're seeing pastors not preach this like it should be preached. They're compromising. Because here's one thing you can do. If, if you don't like being the away team, what can you do? Change jerseys, baby. <laughs> I'm going to put me on one of them home team jerseys, man. I'm tired of getting booed. I ain't getting booed no more. Matter of fact, now I'm getting cheered. I'm getting applauded. If you seek the applause of the world and not the applause of God, examine yourselves to see if you're of the faith. That's what Paul's saying here. And it's futile thinking. Because we know that our definition of absolute truth and the way we view life, marriage, gender, culture is going to be unpopular. It's going to be more than booed. It's going to be persecuted. We're getting ready to walk in that. I believe wholeheartedly there's coming a day where the government's going to step in and tell a church what they can and can't say. And if you say certain things, they're going to deem that as hate speech. I believe that's coming real soon to a land near us called the United States of America. If we keep down the path, we're coming. And if you preach that, and if you preach this stuff that we consider hate speech, then you're getting fined or you're losing your 501c3. You mark my words, it's coming if things don't, don't right ship really quick. And we're going to really quick find out who the real pastors are. We're going to really quick find out who the real churches are, who the real followers of Jesus are when that stuff hits. I think you're already seeing it now, even though the persecuting hadn't fully come. I think you're seeing it now. 
Because what we know is when you're not the home team, like we said, the only other way to not get booed is to change jerseys. Let me tell you what we're seeing. Statistics. We talked about last week's hurtful statistic that just, just still resonates in me. The Pew Research and, and Barna studies polled people who regularly attend church and found that only 15% of people who regularly attend church, not those who just come occasionally or the Christers or anything like that, no, 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 regularly attend church, only 15% claimed that their relationship with God was the most important thing in their life. As a pastor, that breaks my heart. With all the work and sermon preparation and preaching through revelation like I did to know that, that like, Lord, is, is that true? Is that smaller percentage even care what's, what's being said? They don't care about you. Think about that. This was just a poll. This wasn't even a face-to-face interview. I mean, even if, and I know there's times that you and I get off track, and, and there's times in our life where, man, the things we're doing for a season don't even look like God's important to us. I get that. I've been there. Have you? That happens, and God writes our ship and corrects us and gets us back in line. I'm not saying that we all need to walk perfect all the time, but think about this. If somebody put a form in front of you with a little circle dot, and in your privacy, you had to answer the question, is God the most important thing in your life? You know the Sunday school answer. Right? Circle it. Whoop, yeah, he is. I don't know if I don't act like it, you know, but, but he is, you know, and Lord forgive me where I'm falling short. That's, I mean, I, right? That number should be more like 50, 60, 70%, right? People know what the right answer to put is, surely. But they selected no. No. Let me tell you where that leads. Now, 91% of teenagers do not believe in absolute truth. Within one generation, we're done. That stays like that. It won't last. Remember we talked about if a caterpillar never becomes a butterfly last week? What's the butterfly's um, purpose? To reproduce. The caterpillar cannot reproduce. It has to go through the metamorphosis stage in the cocoon. That's that transformation lifestyle we talked about to become a butterfly so that it can reproduce. Within one generation of just caterpillars that don't become butterflies, there's no more caterpillars, baby. That means there's no more even baby Christians coming growing up because nobody wants to grow in Christ. Nobody wants to become that butterfly that God wants us to be so that we can go out and reproduce, so that God's the most important thing in our life, so that people see Jesus through us. 91% of teenagers don't believe in absolute truth. Of ages 18 to 35, 72% don't believe in absolute truth. In adults over 35, 62% don't believe in absolute truth anymore. And you see why we are where we are in our world today. Because when truth and relative truth especially gets into the core fabric of our society, the overwhelming beliefs are that who is anyone to say what's right and what's wrong? I determine that. Each person determines that for themselves. You're judging them if you say otherwise. Sound familiar? You're a bigot if you say otherwise. Sound familiar? That's hate if you say otherwise. No, it's not. Because we're to present and speak and stand on the truth and present it in love. And we had that message. So what is truth? What is it? Starts an interesting conversation, especially if you ask that question on a college campus or somewhere. What is truth? 
one of the most profound and eternally significant questions in the Bible was asked by an unbeliever. Pilate, you remember? In his cynical response to Jesus where he said, what is truth? After Jesus had said, I come to testify of the truth. He said, what is truth? Jesus said, I'm here to testify of it. So what is truth then? Truth is this, plain and simple, is the self-expression of God through his word. This is absolute truth. If you don't believe that, know that, live that, examine yourself to walk in the faith. Okay? Let God do his work in your life, in your heart. Otherwise, it's futile thinking. That's the first thing Paul delivers as a roadblock. Second one. He says, darkened in their understanding. If you're taking notes, you can put a dash and put deception. They're being deceived. What did Adam and Eve do? They were deceived. Eve was deceived. Did God say? Cast that little bit of doubt. And then deception took place. And then blame shifting after that. Remember all that? Because God came to Adam first, and Adam said, man, what's going on here? How you know you naked? <laughs> well, well, that, well that, that woman you gave me, <laughs> you know, right? So then he goes to Eve. Eve, what's going on? What? what? It was that serpent. <laughs> you see, the depravity of our heart will always go back to somehow finding a way to blame God for the sin that we just walked in. God, you made me this way. You made yourself that way. With sin and your own depravity. That's why you need to humble yourselves before the Lord and prevent and repent so he can lift you up. So that he can pour his spirit into you and live out of you. This new engine to walk in newness of life that we talked about. Beautiful picture. So, absolute truth. If we're not careful, we can be deceived in this darkened understanding. All right? Again, these are people that claim to be in, in Christ, in God, and they're, de- and they're deceived and they're walking away because of it. And Paul's trying to call them back. We need to get that picture. They're ones who are not in the word, so the word's not in them. Are you in the word of God? You can't expect the word of God to be lived out if you're not in it. And that, that, that's why it's so important from the start that the shepherd of the church, of the body of Christ, preaches the word of God so that we can initiate the process of conviction of the Lord, of discipleship. But it doesn't end there. If all you get every single week is just this, and yeah, I know I'm long with it, and we go 45 minutes, sometimes it was an hour through Revelation. I get it. I know it's long. But if that's all you get, how many hours are in a week? Total them up. It's a lot. And you think just one hour here is enough to combat all the multiple hours in the world and all the things that go in your head and your brain through music and TV and people. You're sadly mistaken. If you're not in the word, the word will not be in you like it should. We need to get in the word and really let God do his work through us in this. All right? This will ensure that our minds are renewed. If not, they will not be renewed, and we will walk as the, as the Gentiles walk. Essentially what Paul's trying to say. And if you've done that, and what Paul's trying to say to them, if that's been you, if that matches what's going on in your life right now, just repent. Come back. Turn around. Repent. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I've been heading the wrong direction. Please bring me back. Help me. That's what Paul's trying to get at. I don't want to live in darkness any longer. 
Third thing he points out here in this passage in Ephesians 4 is being alienated from God because of ignorance. Goes in, ties in a little bit to what we just said. You know, if you don't know the truth, you're more easily to fall for deception. Because you'll fall for the preacher that gives 90, 95% truth and only 5% lie. You'll swallow that lie with the truth and it will slowly deviate you away from Christ. It will. It'll alienate you from God. What does that mean, to be alienated from the life of God that Paul's talking about here? To live the Christian life is impossible for us alone. We have to have the Spirit of God in us to live out the Christian life. Agreed? Anything else is legalism. Okay? The Spirit of God has to be the engine that drives us. That's what Paul talked about in Galatians. Live by the what? The Spirit so you won't gratify what? The desires of the flesh. That's the only way. That's it. So if I'm alienated from the life of God, if I've walked away from him, do I have that spirit engine power like I should? No, because I'm trying to run on my flesh. I'm trying to run on my own understanding. I'm trying to run on the culture and what they think is right. I have to have the spirit of God moving me, guiding me, directing me. I have to be submitted to the spirit, to the absolute truth to say yes. When, when there's even things that I don't like that God's word points out in my life, I still have to say yes, not make excuses for that. Nothing has broke my heart more as a pastor than when I come and, and, and preach the word of God as hard as it is on certain subjects and just pour it out and lay it out all truth and I make sure that I'm not giving my opinion. I'm not giving pastor so-and-so's opinion or doctor so-and-so's opinion. It all comes from the word of God, even through Revelation. And somebody comes in and says, well, I, I don't know if I believe that. I, I believe that, that this is still okay. What? Examine yourselves and see if you're of the faith then. alienated because of ignorance, not knowing the truth. And that's why verse 11, earlier in this um, Ephesians passage, we'll read here at the very end, but it tells us he's given us pastors and teachers to present the truth so that we can grow and become more in unity and in oneness. That's what it's all about, growth and unity, growth and unity, spiritual growth, spiritual growth and unity. That's why we need pastors to preach the word and teach it, because otherwise, if the pastors don't preach the truth, will you think anybody will know the truth? No, not unless they're digging it up for themselves. And we already said 15% don't even think God's the most important thing in your life or are the, are the only ones that think that God's the most important thing. That means there's 85% that probably ain't even picking up their Bible all week. How are they going to know the truth? They won't unless it's preached. And if they don't know the truth, how could they ever be expected to walk in the truth like Paul's telling them to do? They won't. We won't. We have to let the truth of God fall fresh on our heart and say yes to Jesus. Because then the problem is, like that verse that's flagged over there, under that footer, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that there's coming a time where people won't tolerate this sound doctrine. They're going to actually run from it. We're living in that today. We really are. Because people are so nearsighted. They only see what they want to see. They don't see the big picture, like we talked about, of what Christ has done for them. That, that 2 Corinthians 5.21, that, that he's actually deleted their sin column. And that he's copied and pasted his righteousness and his sinlessness upon them. And because of that, now we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling. If we saw the big picture truly and believed that we would live differently. So the question is, are you and I being radically changed through the Spirit? Are we? Fourth thing, hardness of heart in this passage. Again, that piggy, 
piggybacks off of not knowing the truth and running from the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. My heart's gotten hard. If your heart's hard, it's a callous. It's a calloused heart. And what's a callous? We know what a callous is. If you've ever worked in your garden or you've worked with your hands or you've had a, a pair of shoes that didn't fit well, you know what I'm saying? And after time, after a long period of time, normal skin, because of constant abnormal pressure and friction, the skin starts to lose its feeling. It doesn't, it's not soft and permeable anymore. It gets really hard. And it doesn't feel anymore. It's a callus. Our heart could become like that if all this stuff in progression is not addressed. The first sermon I ever preached to a church, as you know, I've done 20 years of evangelism through a feature strength ministry, and we often went to churches all over. And one of the churches that we went to, like a couple years in, said, Hey, will you stay after y'all do the thing on Saturday? Will you stay and, and, and Sunday preach it on Sunday morning? I'm like, No. <laughs> But yeah, and the first sermon I ever preached was casual Christian to Christian casualty. That if we're okay with just being a casual Christian, eventually, this is what Paul's talking about, if we don't come out of that, one day you're going to be a Christian casualty. And in the middle of that was becoming a calloused Christian. So you go from casual Christianity to a calloused Christian, to a Christian casualty. We can't let our hearts get hard. And it all starts way back with the futile thinking and the deception and everything we've talked about to this point. It's a progression. Because then what happens after that? The Bible tells us in verse 19, what does Paul say? They don't just sin. They didn't just give themselves over to immorality. What did they do it with? What does the word say? Greediness. They sin with greediness. In other words, they want more sin. There's never enough sin. They only want to do that. Anything else is just, I'm not even interested in that anymore. I've lost my feeling for that. I want this and this alone. And I want more of it as much as I can get. And when I get as much of it as I can, I want more next weekend. I want more next week. I want more next month. I want more the rest of my life. That's what the Bible's pointing to. That's what Paul's saying. Watch out. There's roadblocks. And if you leave them there, they're going to prevent you from your destination, your spiritual destination. Because many of you, here's the litmus test. Maybe you've just been deceived. And if you're truly in Christ, you will see this truth. It will fall fresh on your heart. You will repent and turn back to the Lord. If you're not in Christ, you're going to make excuses for this. You're going to not believe me. You're going to run away from my teaching, and you're going to do what you want to anyway. That's a dangerous place to be. And the fifth and final thing is pointed out in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 as I close. I'm just going to read that real quick for you. Verse 11 through 16. We read it last week. I'm going to read it again. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body get this joined 
and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What's Paul saying there? It starts with listening and teaching and not being cast away in doctrine. And then through that, Christ has done this to bring us together in unity of the body. What's the body? Church. Our fifth roadblock, we talked about what this body is, purpose is, the cocoon last week where transformation takes place, where God uses it, moves through his spirit, uses his word, brings us together. We strengthen one another. We cheer each other on. God grows us in that into the spiritual butterfly we need. If we do not have that, we have isolated ourselves. So our fifth roadblock is isolation. Did you know that that's where Satan wants you? He doesn't want you in church on Sunday. He doesn't want you in life groups. He doesn't want you at youth group. He doesn't want you there. He wants you isolated and on your own. Hey, anybody ever watch National Geographic? All right, we, we know the Bible says, beware, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. And we talked about that, how, to, how the lion doesn't come sprinting across the field. He gets in the ditch and sneaks up on you, brother. What kind of animal does he go after? Usually one that's weak or smaller, not as strong as the others. But where are they always at? By themselves. Behind the group. They're isolated. They don't have the health and the strength of the others that will stomp his head if they get too close to the weak one. Satan attacks the ones that's isolated. It's not legalism to say you need to be in church every week and be plugged in as a part of the body. That's a command, and that's where growth occurs. Your growth, and did you catch the end? Where you can help others grow. And if you're not there, there's somebody who needs you. Maybe you're supposed to be in youth pouring into our kids. Did you know that most kids in a youth group go because of the leaders? And we need leaders. <laughs> Everybody wants a great youth group, but nobody wants to serve. Everybody wants a great kids ministry, but nobody wants to serve. Everybody wants great programs and great things. I can't do it all. The five people around me can't do it all. We need the body of Christ to come together and be the church. This is not a consumer church. This is a serving church. This is what we are. This is who we are. This is what Christ wants us to be. We need to engage ourselves in the body. We need to be in church every week unless we can't because of vacation or illness. We have to be. That's one of the reasons we're taking live off. I feel like there's some people that just make an excuse to sit at home because it's easier to sit at home. I understand that. Statistics are showing that. that since COVID, most people are choosing to stay at home and not come to church. And that's exactly where Satan wants them in isolation. And just as bad as no company is bad company. It's part of the roadblock, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 through 34. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you all and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. What's Paul doing there? He's calling people away out of, out of people that are living wrong lifestyles, that are influencing you. So just as much as hey, you might say, oh, yeah, you're right, I need to do life with people. Don't get with the wrong people. <laughs> Because they'll lead you even worse down the path. You've got to get in the healthy environment. And it's not to say that everybody in here is perfect and we got it all going on. Because I don't. And if I don't, I know nobody else does. But listen, hey, we're going to help each other. 
When I fall, you help me up. When you fall, I help you up. We help each other up. We rally around each other like we talked about. We don't focus on the fall. We, we celebrate the steps. Celebrate the steps. And we help each other up. And we don't make excuses for staying down. That's what Paul's pointing to. About getting in this cocoon of community where life transformation happens through the spirit and through his word. That's what God wants to do in you and me every single time. And it's all done through this powerful engine of Christ and his spirit. It's not done through me, through you. It's not done just through a church. It's done because of God. He's the one that gets the glory because he's the one who has the power. He's the one who supplies it all because he is God. He's the one who breaks down barriers. Somebody give Jesus a big round of applause for that. He breaks down barriers. Because he's faithful. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. Do you know that? He is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. Do you know that? Do you believe that? What does God need to do in your life to show you that he's faithful? Would you just submit and surrender to him? He is faithful. He is the same God who took the Israelites out of Egypt in their slavery and their bondage. And he told them to march toward a red sea that wasn't parted yet. And I'm sure that was scary. Wondering what we were going to do. But he stepped in and he parted the Red Sea that they could walk through on dry land. And then after they were all safe and across, he swallowed their enemies behind them. He's the same God who provided the manna from heaven and the water from the rock when they're in the wilderness, in the desert. And he's showing even in the midst of their doubt and their unbelief that he's God and he's faithful even when they're not. He's the same God who took them forward and parted and held back the flooding waters of the Jordan so that they could cross across into the promised land. And he's the same God that wants to lead you across the red seas of your life. He's the same God who wants to provide in the wilderness that you're walking in to prove that he's faithful. He's the same God that wants to push back the flooded Jordan rivers so that you can walk across in the promised land that he has prepared for you. He is God. He is your father and he loves you. He is the Alpha and the Omega. We learned that in Revelation. He is the beginning and he's the end. He is sovereign. He is in control. The enemy is not in control. The enemy may look like they're winning for a moment, but in the end, we see that he alone treads the winepress of the wrath of God himself. And there is no victory in sin and people that walk away from him. And that's why through his grace and his mercy, he's calling all of us to repentance, to walk in him. He's faithful. And his grace and mercy abounds greater than all of our sin if we would just turn to him and give him our life and stop holding on to certain things and live by absolute truth. He's the great I am. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the one who's proven himself faithful. He has a flawless record. Why would we doubt him? Why would we turn away from him? Why wouldn't we surrender all to him? He hasn't lost a battle yet. He's undefeated. And he will not sacrifice a victory in your life. He's asking us to stay faithful even through the storms. Because he is our deliverer. He's our strong tower. He's our ever-present help in time of trouble. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the bright and morning star. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the lamb that was slain. Do you walk with him? Do you trust him? Because he's king of kings and he's Lord of lords. But is he your Lord today?
if not make him Lord right now? Let's bow our head and close our eyes. He wants to break down a barrier in your life that you, the world, a lifestyle, a person can never do. He wants to break it down and set you on the path to your destiny. Will you say yes to him right now? If you've never said yes to Jesus to make him Lord of your life, that's the first obstacle, the first barrier that Christ has broke down at the cross when he shed his blood, that you could be set free. He took that penalty that was due you on himself so that you could be set free, that you could be forgiven, that you could be restored and renewed, that you could have this engine to walk in newness of life. If you've never done that, I want you to do that right now. I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I want you to do business with God. And again, it's not about a prayer. It's not magic words that save you. It's with your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that you believe and are justified. Are you ready to surrender your heart, your life, your everything to Jesus today? That's what that verse is saying. That's what he told the rich young ruler, essentially. They couldn't give him his heart and his life. He knew about Jesus. He did some good things, but he couldn't surrender his heart and his life. How about you? Will you surrender your heart and your life to him today? Maybe you're here and you said, Brad, I've walked in out of church doors. I've made a commitment like that in my life earlier, and I know I was with Christ because I felt this change. I felt this difference, this new life that you had talked about. And, man, I was on fire for the Lord at one time, but, but man, lately life's happened, man. And, and I've gotten down, I've been deceived, and I've stepped away, and I've walked away. And I want to come running back to Jesus right now today. I want to fall at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, here I am. I'm saying yes to you. No more leaning on my own understanding, doing it my own way. I want to be on fire for you again, Lord. Fill me up with your spirit right now. If that's you, and you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, I want you to do business with God and pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart right now to receive him for the first time and rededicate your life to say Lord I admit to you right now that I've messed up Lord I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you my savior thank you for sending your son Jesus God in the flesh to die on that cross to take the penalty that was due me for my sin and he placed it upon himself that I could be set free and Lord, thank you for three days later raising him from the grave, proving that he is God. And the Lord, he stands in victory over all hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim and walk in that same victory right now. So Lord, strengthen me. Walk with me. Guide me. Help me say yes to you no matter what it is in your word. And, Lord, my commitment to you is every step I take and every breath I make will be for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, as I watch you and I've seen you, remove roadblocks and obstacles from my path as I say yes to you. And, Lord, you get all the glory. Amen. No one looking around, every head bowed, every eye still closed. If you did that, you meant business with God, and you met him right now, surrendered your heart for the first time to him today, or you rededicated your life to him boldly, unashamed, right now, raise your hand. Say, Brad, I did that right now today, and I'm not ashamed. Amen. If I don't see you, God does. It's more important. We're going to close our service like we, did every, like we do every single week. I'm just going to ask you to put action with your feet to what God's doing in your heart. Can't put it any more simple than that. Whatever it is, maybe you just made a decision for Christ. Maybe you want to join the church. Maybe you want to serve and get plugged in in the church. There's plenty of ways to do that, and we need you. Maybe you, know, you've got a, uh, you want prayer over a loved one or, or something going on in life. There'll be pastors up here. We can pray with you, talk with you if you want. But if you do not need us, you can walk right past us and do business with Jesus. So let's stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our heart, with all our voice right now. And let's come as the Lord leads.
Jesus, big round of applause that he deserves for his word. Never returns void, and I know it's not going to do that in our hearts and lives today. So let's go take this word. Let's go remove all the roadblocks from our life through the spirit of God and the engine that wants to empower us. Let's say yes to Jesus, no matter what it is, and let's go make an impact for Christ. Next Sunday is Father's Day already. Can you believe that? All right. Our message in Barrier Breakers is about fear, and it's, taught, and it's called Never Fear Daddy's Here. All right. So we're going we're gonna to honor our dads, but we know we're not going to live in fear because of who our heavenly father is. And that's the message next week of not living in fear. We'll hope to see you next week. Grab somebody, bring them to church.